Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Duke Lot Show. And today, we have a very special guest here. We have Miss Sylvia Fanning, and um, we're so happy to have her and to share her story of uh, recovery and share her story of um, greatness. And uh, she's such a wonderful person. And we're so honored and privileged to have her. And uh, Sylvia is passionate about passionate about confronting shame and stigma, which so often isolates people who want to stop drinking, uh, but who cannot uh, stop. So she hopes in sharing her story of recovery, she can inspire others. A huge fan of Dr. Gabor Mate. One of the favorite quotes that she uses, ask not why the addiction, but why the pain. And we want her to talk about her story of overcoming grief, depression, uh, self-esteem uh, issues, and life after divorce. And she's very passionate about uh, body positivity and astrology, which we love. Uh, so we want her to introduce herself and we say thank you for being here. And so how are you today? I'm fabulous. Thank you, Duke, for the <laughs> gorgeous introduction. You make me sound far more interesting than I am. We're all human, aren't we? Yes. We're on this journey together, struggling with our inner demons, but there is hope. There is positivity, and I love the way you promote that message on your podcast. I, I, I listened to your introduction yesterday. It was just brilliant. Um, what spoke to me most was your ideas around acceptance. Yes. And I, I really feel like if we can accept ourselves, our flawed characters, our murky pasts, our difficult emotions, and learn to heal and love ourselves, it becomes so much easier to accept other people yes. that baffle us, confuse us, torment us perhaps in relationships. But getting to that state of inner peace and outward acceptance of everyone that we meet and finding a connection with each other where we see the divine in each other, if you like, is a message that I feel really strongly about. Well, we thank you for saying that. And, and that's what our show is about here. It's about diversity it's about acceptance. It's about everyone having a seat at the table and being able to have a voice, share their stories. And just because someone might not believe the same as I believe or what you believe, it doesn't make them wrong. Um, so we want to give everyone a voice to be able to express themselves, uh, say what they believe and not feel that someone else is going to judge them based on what they believe. Um, so we're, we're um, celebrating Pride Month and um, we just are very accepting of other people's beliefs. So I would like you to uh, share some of your story and just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay, so I'm from an Irish family. I uh, was born in Ireland and I came over to England when I was very young. I haven't got the accent anymore. How annoying. <laughs> I could wonders if I still have my accent. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it comes out when I sing. But I grew up, um, like so many people, in a broken home, if you like, or that was the backdrop to my childhood. 
Uh, my mother was a single parent, hardworking, yes. a force of nature. Yes. And back in the 80s, life wasn't so e easy in England yes. coming from an Irish family because there was a lot of hostility okay. around what was going on with terrorism at that time. So from the get-go, I encountered that feeling of not belonging because I was Irish. Okay. Um, in some ways, I think that probably was the reason that my accent shifted so quickly into an English accent, because children want to fit in yes. and to be loved. Yes. But equally, I had a deep sense of pride, as do all my family, about my Irish roots. Yes. And many of you, you know, especially people in America, I love Americans, <laughs> our family in New York and Virginia, okay. will know the, the history of the English-Irish question. But without getting too deep into that, one of the main features of growing up in an Irish family even albeit in England, there's a strong Irish community over here um, in Milton Keynes, is drinking culture. Okay, It's yes. seen as, or it was seen as back in the day, and I think the tides are changing mm -hmm. somewhat as we encounter stories of recovery. Right. Um, it, it was normal to be in pubs from a young age. For me, my mother was actually a barmaid. Okay. So she worked in pubs, and we would, as kids, myself, my brother, sisters, friends, go into the pubs, drink our... Diet Cokes, well, probably full-fat Coke back then, uh, <laughs> packets of crisps, be around. What seemed to me to be jolly, happy people all having a good time. Yes. It would be wrong of me to say that part of my drinking experiences in my teenage years were all negative. Okay. In fact, I found it quite the relief to go out and socialise because drinking is, in so many ways, a social lubricant. Mm -hmm. It can help people relax, unwind, find access that part of themselves where they're not feeling shy or awkward yes. because you have this buffer of, well, I'm a bit tipsy, so of course I can act crazy. <laughs> right. What would have been great, Duke, yeah. Yeah. is if I could have just moderated and stopped there yeah. and went out for a few drinks at the weekend and led a normal life during the week and certainly... For the first part of my adulthood, that was the case until I got to university mm -hmm. when, again, I think a lot of people can relate when you leave oh, home yeah. at 18, mm -hmm. you're exposed to a heavy drinking culture Yes, where people are finding themselves, whether they're um, reinventing themselves. I, I met lots of people at university who told me they felt they could be a different person breaking away from the shackles of their past. Let's say if they were bullied at school for whatever reason, mm -hmm. going to university gave them an opportunity to start again, make new friends, be there, step into their authenticity, if yes. you like, <laughs> which I'm all for. I think that's great. I believe we can all um, reinvent ourselves, but at mm -hmm. the core, we are who we are. We are comprised of all the experiences that we've had in childhood, Yes. Um, whatever belief system we have will to some extent shape the person we are yes. and without getting into the astrology uh -huh. that can have a very <laughs> well. so university was great I made lifelong friends that I'm still in touch with today yes. and they accepted Sylvia likes to drink a lot it was just the norm yeah. and I took that from university I, I mean I, I studied law I did not show up to lectures I was always hung over my attendance was 33%. Alcohol was negatively impacting my life from the get-go, really, on okay. my drinking journey. Yes. And then when I stepped into the corporate world afterwards, I worked in a professional company. Again, work hard, pay hard. Right. That's 
a big thing that I talk about in the professional community, how women and men are made to feel under extreme pressure uh-huh. to socialise with their clients. Yes. When there's money involved oh, yeah. and big deals to be transacted oh, yeah. and people are writing big checks these yeah. days, bank transfers, it's seen as completely normal right. to go out and entertain your clients. And if you can drink with the best of them, <laughs> actually puts you in a really good position. Yes. Particularly if you're in a salesy type role right. or any kind of role where you need to win business. So my natural gift for drinking <laughs> and being able to drink with men, very much in touch with my masculine energy. I wasn't that girl who'd have one or two drinks and be out for the count. I could go for hours and have deep and meaningful conversations with people and really connect with clients and win lots of business. And then that buzz of success, hedonism, and um, being part of the corporate rat race kicked in throughout my whole 20s. I lived my life in a state of a permanent hangover. And I really don't think that my employers knew just how much this was becoming problematic for me, particularly with relationships. You're not bringing your best self to a relationship if you're permanently intoxicated. Yes. And looking back, I must have been so ugly to the men that I dated after a certain witching hour, the witching hour, I would call it, after midnight. Yeah. You know, when you're starting to lose your um, ability to self-regulate, monitor what you're saying. Yeah. Ugly comments, throw away um, things that we do when we're drunk. Yes. That was part and parcel of my life. And I got used to saying, sorry about last night Yeah. to a lot of people. Right. It was cringy. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really want to acknowledge at that point in time that there was a different way to live. Yes. And in fact, I looked at people who didn't drink with deep suspicion. So okay. the new yeah. person joined the company yeah. and they said, well, I don't really drink. I, I didn't want to socialise with that person. It made me feel uncomfortable okay. as if they were monitoring my behavior and those things that everybody else was doing yes. they weren't fitting into the crowd and i think this comes into the question of diversity uh-huh. someone doesn't drink right or makes different lifestyle choices to us yes who are we to judge yes so i think that, that that's something i'm now encountering on the other side of the fence mm-hmm. as a person who routinely has to explain no thanks i don't drink Right. And the question of, do I tell them why I don't drink? Yeah. Um, I'm lucky. I haven't been confronted with anybody who probes too much. I've got quite a strong personality. Yeah. But I know that other friends who've stopped drinking get really anxious about that. They don't want to talk about alcohol addiction. They don't want to lie because yes. you're losing your authenticity when you lie. Yes. So yeah, it's a real problem. So I would like to ask... Um, First of all, I would like to say congratulations on being past 100 days uh, sober. So um, that's definitely a milestone and um, you should be proud of yourself and those that are a part of your inner circle and your everyday life. um, I'm sure they're very, very proud of you. So what I would like to ask is how that impacts your life as far as dating and how that looks as you being a woman and saying that I don't do this and I don't do that and this is what I stand for. 
Okay. So I share my dating experiences on, on Instagram. <sighs> I don't tell people other people's names or anything. I don't personalise it. Yes. But I want to help other women who are in that similar awkward position to me of navigating the world of going out, meeting someone new and not fitting the societal norm of going for a few drinks. Right. I mean, that is as expected and natural to people as you could ever imagine. Okay. When I was dating before, I would have a glass of Prosecco while I was putting on my makeup and another one for Dr. Courage. By the time I got to a date and ordered my first large glass of white wine to yes. steady my nerves. Yes. I was already on that slippery slope of knowing that that date was going to turn into a hedonistic ride where I wouldn't necessarily make the right decisions. Okay. I wasn't bringing my true self to the party. Yes. And many times I was hungover as well. But I, when you're hiding a secret around your alcohol consumption, and this is when I was drinking, it's problematic okay. because you're partner is going to unravel in time um, they're going to find out how much you actually drink yes so the best thing about dating now is that i don't have secrets to hide on a daily basis where yes. i've got to cover up with extra mouthwash mint brushing my teeth constantly yeah. to um hide the fact that i've been drinking yeah. i'm literally having a cup of coffee getting charged up before i go out <laughs> yes but you have to bring your real self to the table uh -huh. and Guys that I date, I tell them before I meet them. Mm -hmm. I don't drink. Mm -hmm. I used to be a big drinker, mm -hmm. and I I stopped my um, drinking journey about a year ago. Right. And I've fallen off the wagon a few times, and I've shared that on Instagram yes. because I think it's really key for people to understand. Very. None of us get these things spot on first time. Oh yeah. And if you're struggling, it's okay. Just keep getting back on the bike. Yes. But I try to minimise it a little bit, if you like, when I'm speaking to guys. I say I don't drink. I drank a lot during the pandemic. A yeah. lot of people can relate to that. Oh, yeah. I think the rates of alcohol consumption went through the roof, along Definitely. with depression mm -hmm. and more horrifically, you know, suicides. It, it was awful. Yeah. Now we're getting back into the world of connecting again. I don't feel people um, necessarily react badly to me mm -hmm. saying that I don't drink, mm -hmm. but they're curious. Yeah. Of course they're curious. Oh, yeah. Because they love a drink. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's what that I mean. Yeah, and that's what uh, we strive for as a show. We want to bring the diversity of how that looks to the scene of, okay, it's okay for you to have a drink, but this is not what I do. And, exactly. And that, that's important because um, that takes a very strong person to sit there with the day, and that person is having a... a, a a beer or a glass of wine and you're sitting there and they know you don't drink, but they, you know, they're enjoying themselves as far as what they're doing. Um, so that takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength. And I admire you for being able to, to do that. So I would like to ask you what diversity um, means to you in your life, in your world, as far as, um, not just uh, being sober, but um, just your everyday life? I'm huge on inclusivity. Yes. I want everybody to feel worthy mm -hmm. in their own right. Okay. Whatever their problems, whatever their origins in life, 
I, back in the day, will admit quite openly, I had a snobby, narcissistic attitude when I was at the height of my corporate career as a big drinker, blotting out feelings and pain from my childhood. And I just wanted to be around people who on the surface seemed happy, go lucky, uh, go getters in life. I was privileged to be surrounded by very wealthy entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and highly intelligent people. But I developed this um, unattractive quality of trying to sort of segregate myself away from not looking at the difficult parts of life. For example, people who are suffering with addiction in poverty. Yes. Looking at those dark areas of life was almost like holding up a mirror to my unconscious that I was trying to repress. Okay. And so the most humbling thing for me happened during the pandemic. When my business started to falter, my finances plummeted, and I had to get back to basics and go and shop and count every penny for food every week and really start to appreciate the value of money. From a diversity perspective, it brought me back to my childhood roots of a working class family. Yes. I was no longer this big shop in London (laughs) at these fancy restaurants in Mayfair. I was just a humble human being working out how much money I had to buy food for the week for me and my son. And that humbling experience went even further when I finally found the courage to walk into an AA meeting. Because for years, I'd resisted that on the basis that I thought, well, it's going to be full of criminals, isn't it? It's going to be people who've been forced to go there because they're on probation and they've got to do something to show the courts. These are the images. I I visualise people sitting around in a circle, all homeless, and it scared me. The thought of that level of rock bottom Uh and i think some people in the sober community still feel this way whether or not they're willing to admit it and i'm here to crush taboo and shame i felt in my feebly ego-led way that i was somehow not like those people i was a functioning alcoholic and that i could do it on my own well you know what i tried to do it on my own give up drinking 10 years it didn't work Right. But as soon as I tapped into the community, yes. which anyone who's ever been to AA will know, yes. the diversity is amazing. Right. People from all walks of life, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, nationality, race, sex, sexuality, yes. um, financial status, stories they tell, everyone's different. But the common link is that we're all suffering. Right. We're all suffering from a spiritual malady and addiction that we can't overcome without support of the fellowship. Now, for those people that are not into AA, and I've met lots of people who find it ineffective, it's not for them. Again, I'm not here to preach to people about how they choose to get sober and say, we're not doing it right. That's absolutely ludicrous. I'm not here to regulate anybody except myself. And And I've got lots of friends who are getting sober without therapy, without AA, without professional help and support and they're thriving yes so the instagram community alone is a phenomenal place for people to connect there are sober events going in the uk and i know it's big in america as well across the uk where sober people get together for afternoons of music connection conversation and they're they're the diversity in the room is it's heartwarming yes you know I've dropped my snobbery, Duke. I'm no longer that woman 
who thinks I'm the shit. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's okay. And that's what we want to uh, let the audience experience is that there's different sides of life and there's different people and people deal with it in different ways. And that's part of diversity too. So I want to ask you, um, I have been through a divorce and um, I know how that is. I would like to know your feelings on that and of uh, body positivity because sometimes when people go through um, getting sober and different things like that, they go through different phases. And I understand those phases very well. So I would like to hear um, how that affects your life as far as where do you go from here? Okay. So firstly, for anyone that's going through a divorce, my heart is with you. It's absolutely crushing. It's very hard. Whether you're the person that... It's very hard. Whether you're the person that's been left or you're leaving your husband or wife, Mm -hmm. it's excruciating. If there are children involved, wow. You know, for me, I had to watch my son cry himself to sleep at the age of two, most nights saying, I want my daddy. Why did you ask my daddy to leave? Right. I went straight into therapy for that because I knew the excruciating guilt and failure I felt as a mother. Okay. How could I do this to my son, take his father away? When I had grown up without my father, it triggered all my abandonment issues. And I did compassion-based therapy, which really helped because the therapist told me, I said, look, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm crying all the time. I don't want to cry in front of my son because I don't want to damage him. And she said to me, Sylvia, in actual fact, you crying when you're sad with your son is healthy so long as you don't dwell there and stay crying and not come out of it. Because if you can cry and then get yourself together almost after, let's say, 15 minutes and recover and move on to your next step, what you're teaching your child is that it's okay to feel pain It's okay okay to cry, it's okay to process emotions, but that we can, and we do, recover. And that theme um, sits across so many experiences I've had with sobriety, divorce, and depression. Yes. Um, After a certain period, I took antidepressants as well. Again, for anyone that's feeling suicidal ideation, parents, it's okay if you feel sad after divorce. It's okay if... You feel like your world is closing in on you and that you're worthless and that this is not what you planned for. Nobody gets married to get divorced. You don't exchange vows thinking in a few years time, this is all going to unravel and I'm back to basics. And then you're hit with crushing loneliness every night when you're used to someone, even if it was a toxic relationship um, or a happy relationship. But if you're in bed by yourself every night, as so many people experienced in the pandemic, Yes. With no one to hug you when you're feeling sad, right. worried about your future. Maybe you've been hit financially yeah. as a result of the divorce. These are testing times. And in times of crisis, I truly believe that is when the grace of God or whatever your you belief can. system, yes. it could be Allah, it could be Buddha, it could be your friends, yes. it could be your pets, yes. it could be the leaves blowing in the trees, whatever yeah. your beliefs are. Right. There is a spiritually grounding moment when we all ask as human beings, what is this all about and why is this happening to me? Right. So how do we recover from that? Well, self-care, self-love. Right. Sometimes the act of having a shower 
after four days of lying in bed. That tiny little step is enough to get you on the path to small, gradual, daily steps yes. to reintegrating back into society. I definitely recommend therapy, but I also know it's not necessarily available to people. I don't know how it works in the States, yeah. but in the UK, the National Health Service has a ridiculously long waiting list. I had to pay for my therapy. Right. I'm, I'm blessed with really, really lovely family members. My sister Kathleen, um, she's doing a master's in psychology and counselling at the moment. Okay. And honestly, without her over the last few years, I, I'm not sure I would have prospered as well as I have. Yeah. To be in the space of people who understand... If it's not in your friendship circle, if you can't afford therapy, yes. the internet is there. Right. So you can watch so many YouTube videos. I, I spend my life watching YouTube videos. I, I barely watch television. I think a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, here's my topic. Type it into Google, into YouTube. Someone will help you. My biggest saviour after divorce, when I started getting into the toxic dating cycle of empty relationships based on drinking, based on sex, based on trying to validate myself through the affections of the opposite sex. Yes. And I was filling the void, but feeling darker and darker, emptier and emptier. Yes. Uh, is a pastor in America called R.C. Blakes. Oh, yeah. I've got to give that guy a shout out. <laughs> I love him so much. Yes, he's awesome, For right? For men and women, he helps you regain your self-confidence. Yes. And to understand that we do have a purpose here. So, in life, so there is the, life after divorce. For the audience, We're not defined by our single status. Yes. So, for, so for the audience, say that name one more time. R. C. Blake, okay. Robert, Robert Blake Jr. He yes. is fantastic. Fantastic. Love him. He's awesome. <laughs> I mean, he. Yeah. I, I've listened to him several times, and you know, sometimes, and that's what I love about him is that he comes from a position of as a man, but a lot of his message is geared towards making sure that a woman understands that a man can also feel your pain and understand some of the things that you're going through. And I've been blessed in my life as um, a product of a single mother um, that had a lot of strong aunts that were aunties, if you want to say, um, that were strong and they taught me a lot of things. But one, one of the things that I value is that they taught me how to, what I want to say, I hope it's correct. They taught me how to tap into my feminine side as a man yes, and to feel those feelings that a woman may feel from a young age. So I've been blessed with that. And the message that he gives is that, you know, as a woman, you don't need a man to validate you at all. And I love that because that's what I want to teach my daughters is that, you know, you have to be strong as a girl, as a woman, and you don't need a man to validate that. And that's that's one of the things that inspires me to be able to be um, a good father. 
this is music to my ears and I know what a good father you as well and your, yeah. your children are just oh <laughs> so cute and so, parenting is our opportunity to get things right yes. of course we're going to get things wrong but yes. I'm the same with my son Vincent he's so in touch with his feminine side yeah even to the point where you know we're talking about diversity again because of his um, connection with myself, my mother, my sisters, a lot of feminine energy. Yes. I, I wondered, is there, and I'm going to, real talk here, I wondered, I wonder if Vincent is gay or will be gay. He loves dancing, he loves singing, yes. he loves princesses. And he that's okay. with feminine energy yes. in a big way. Well, if that's the case, yes. isn't he blessed? Yes. Because I've got love for him, <laughs> for who he is, yes. and I'm not going to knock out any of his interests or predisposition to enjoying his life by saying, you've got Let to man do. up. It's right. Don't cry. Yes. Get out there and fight. Yes. I will not push those principles. I want him to be able to defend himself. Yes. You know, at some point I might get him into martial arts because we know life isn't easy for kids growing up. Yes. So some kind of um, discipline I think is good. But I love that you've benefited from the same access to yeah. feminine energy but also how the female mind works yes and you're a glowing light for women to realize not all men are bad yeah yeah <laughs> and, and i'm so glad you shared that because you know i don't know that and um that is such a positive message that you know from a young age he is growing up in an environment where whatever he believes is going to be accepted. Whatever he chooses is going to be accepted. And that is so key for children. Yeah. And it lets them experience diversity at a young yes. age. So what in turn happens is that you raise a well-rounded individual that is gracious and kind and passionate towards all humans and that person helps bring light into the world, in my opinion. So I really, yeah. really thank you for sharing that story. And so what I want to do is I want to ask three questions and you have uh, uh, to, I want you to answer quick. And okay. um, um, uh, so they're one minute questions. So where do you see yourself in two years? Madly in love and wildly rich beyond my dreams. <laughs> yes, and sober, right? And sober. And sober, yes. Sorry, yes. I'm being playful. Yes. I see myself as being evolved from where I am. Happy. I see myself being happy. Yes. Okay, so um, I know about um, Dr. Gabor, and uh, I know the saying, but what is your favorite saying that you go by? All of us are in the gutter, but some of us are looking at stars. Oscar Wilde. Yes. So just remembering who we are. And I mean, I'm always looking at the stars, quite literally. <laughs> and that's the, that's the astrology, right? Yeah. Okay, definitely. so what's, what sign are you? I'm a Piscean. Okay, okay. So on the one hand, we can drink like fishes. Okay. But on the other, we're connected to the collective and the divine. Yes. Um, our, our mainstay is that we, we believe in compassion, you know. Anyone can be compassionate, but compassion is so key to diversity, isn't it? Understand where people are coming from. Yes. Even if you don't agree with people's decisions or beliefs, seek to understand. 
Yes. That that's my um objective in life. So here at the Duglot show, what we are trying to get across is that we want everyone to be accepting of other people. Yeah. And we want to share stories of acceptance, um, mental health issues, um, and just, you know, the whole round of what it's like to be different. And so yeah. my one of my last questions I want to ask is, what makes you different than anyone else on the planet? My birth chart. <laughs> Although okay. if there was another girl born at exactly the same time as me. Okay. And what makes me different? I'm Sylvia. Yes. This is this is the physical manifestation of my soul. Yes. I believe my soul is merged with everyone on the planet, that we're all one. Yes. But that we have our unique identifiers in our physical bodies. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can see past the differences in our physical form uh-huh. and connect with each other on a soul level, the closer we are to realizing that we are all one yes. and that we've all got individual experiences and that that's the magic and the beauty of life. And that's where we create the music together. Yeah. Well, I really am so honored and privileged to have you as a guest. I can't wait to share this with the world and just let everyone hear your story of inspiration. I appreciate your honesty and I'm sure the audience will. And you are such a vibrant, lively, great woman. And what advice would you give someone that is just um, at that early stages of recovery, going through whether it be a man or a woman or um, someone that identifies themselves as, um, uh, as, as us or them, uh, what advice would you give to someone that's in those early stages of recovery? Okay, I would say you're not alone. Yes. Your feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. What you're experiencing is... Is, is incredibly difficult, very traumatic. Most people in early recovery are suffering from inner wounds that they have never shared with anybody right. and things that they have done that they're deeply ashamed of. Yes. But that there is a time in your life when you will be able to share and unlock some of that shame with a fellow addict or person who's also experienced very similar trauma Mm-hmm. Um, and regret and self-loathing and in sharing your story in a safe space with someone it could be just a dm yes. with someone you've met on instagram a complete stranger yeah. who understands and gets what you're feeling mm-hmm. or you might in the future be brave enough to find yourself in a group of people yes. talking about it or you might seek therapy or you might just watch youtube videos on your own but right. here's the thing you are not alone. You are not the only person who has suffered from the terrible compulsion to use something to self-soothe years of buried pain. And that there is hope and we do recover. And the easiest way for me, for anyone starting out on the journey, is connect to other people who are open to hearing your story, who will not judge you, who wouldn't dream of judging you, who will embrace you as the human being that you are, Mm -hmm. flawed and all, 
and that you can navigate your way back into a life that doesn't involve waking up every day in pain. Yes. Joy is available. It takes time. Yes. Doesn't happen overnight. But you can get back to a place where you enjoy the sound of the breeze, a walk in the park, a smile on a child's face. Yes. You can recover. And we're here for you to support you. Okay. So thank you for sharing that. And how can we, the audience, find you and someone looking for inspiration and advice? How can they get a hold of you? Okay, so I'm on Instagram, Sylvie's Healthy Diary. Um, and I set that page up a year ago to track my journey with sobriety, with healthy eating, with motivating myself to exercise. I've not talked about the body confidence, but <clears throat> very briefly, I'm a lot curvier than I was mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning as I go along how to accept, again, another aspect of diversity. We're not all skinny girls yeah. and there's nothing wrong with skinny girls either yes so um i hope that some of the videos that i film and you know they're very authentic and off yes. the cuff first take in my car out on a walk in my kitchen yes. i'm not a mental health expert i'm not a sober influencer yes. i'm not looking for followers but what i am really um passionate about is shining a light on shame and yes. showing women and men that it's okay to be who you are, that you, you, you don't need to suffer in silence. We can find you as um, you're such an inspiration. So we want to just make sure that we can find you on uh, all your social media or whatever you got going on. So uh, tell us how we can find you. Okay, thank you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Sylvie's Healthy Diary. And I have the same name for my YouTube channel. And for anyone that has an interest, particularly those of us who want to stop drinking and have found that we simply can't do it on our own, I've shared some resources on my YouTube channel, a playlist of videos that I watched um, before I got sober, which really helped. Um, There's a particular channel called Talk Sober with two guys who have been sober for eight years they give their perspective on what works for them. One of them goes to AA, the other does not. Uh, they met in rehab. The whole thing's inspirational. Um, and I upload my videos to YouTube. I probably get more engagement on Instagram because you can yeah. comment on other people's yes. stories and engage with them and, and meet them as well. I just want to give another shout out, Duke. I hope you yeah. don't mind. Oh, yeah. To Sober Dave. Hey, that's what He's, we want. Um, He's amazing. Yes. He, he's here on um, Instagram as well. He does a podcast, introduce all manner of uh, people from all walks of life, talking about their sobriety journey. And to reiterate my message, you're not alone. You know, we all struggle, um, whether it's addiction, body image issues, trauma, divorce, loneliness, depression, isolation. Isolation is at the core of so much suffering in today's world where we're bombarded with images of how we should be or we think we should be. Um, And part of recovery, I think, is connection. When we connect with each other as a bare minimum, um, and then you can take it a step further and connect with different um, spiritual practices, meditation. Yes. Um, But what we need to do is to keep the conversation going, Duke. And yeah. you are doing a great job. <laughs> hey. And I've got to say, yeah. thank you for 
those early messages that you sent to me when yes. I was on my journey. Goodness, you were amazing. Yeah. You've been a massive supporter behind the scenes. You lift my spirits. You encourage me. You're a fantastic you know, male role model and a good person. You're yeah. good, you're just a great guy. Yeah. And I hope that this podcast for you goes to the heights that I think it will. And I know you're writing a book as well, aren't you? Yeah. Or you've written a book maybe. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm finishing, I'm working hard, I'm almost done. And um, uh, I'm going to submit it to uh, the editor here in the next week and a half. I should be wow. finished. So um definitely working and trying to get it done you know and um i had some deadlines that i didn't meet but that's okay because i needed to take a break because i was yeah. neglecting um some of the very important things in my life and that's one of the things that um this journey is about for me as a host is that i would like to share my vulnerability um, with others because I want other people to feel comfortable to be able to share their vulnerabilities and the things that they go through. Um, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I make mistakes, and but I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm trying to uh, take care of the people that are around me. I have a, a small inner circle. And um, this uh, diversity is very important to me because um, it's part of my everyday life. Um, I have interracial children. Um, so um, I want those children to go up, grow up in a world where they're not going to get judged every single day and every time by the color of their skin. And I understand that, um, you know, in, in, in the grand scheme of things of life, it's not possible. You know, when we see each other, first we see skin color and and that's normal, you know, but um, if we can move past those thoughts of judging a person based on um, what they look like, the color of their skin, their gender, um, what they choose to identify as, um, because I have to share that in, in my story is that I used to struggle with that. I used to struggle with um, the feelings that were imposed upon me early in life by um, uh, childhood issues, childhood trauma, uh, childhood abuse, religion. Um, and I carried those into adulthood and I kept them close to me and some of them have helped me. Um, but a lot of, of things were um, not my own thoughts. So I had to figure out how to become my own person instead of what other people tried to make me believe that I had to believe. So uh -huh. um, diversity is, is very important to my life. And um, I'm glad to hear that it's um, so important to you too, because I didn't know that story about your son. And when you shared that with me, you share it with the audience. That is a very touching story because um it allows uh, the audience to hear that it's okay for you to maybe realize as a parent um, that this may be coming down the road. Exactly. And, and, and you're okay with that. You know, you're accepting. Yes. And that means that he will be accepting. So I really appreciate that story. 
Well, I was always going to weave in my beautiful Vincent at some point or another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is the light that shines for me every day. And yes. I believe and agree with what you say, that he will, in being able to accept who he is fully as a person, whatever his orientation or his decisions in life, I will love him so much. Yeah. I will accept him. My family are the same. Yes. And it will give him the strength to give other people permission to do the same. Yes. That, that, that's my hope. Yes. So um, me... As a host, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story. I want to say that I'm inspired by you. Um, I've learned from you. And um, I believe that your story, um, this episode is going to help so many people. Um, whoever decides to listen, I want them to understand that um, they're not alone. You know, like you said, you're not alone and isolation is definitely uh, key to uh, getting past those issues that you may have and uh, understanding that no one is perfect. You're going to fail sometimes. And and when you do, it's all about how you choose to try to get back up and start again, keep going and just be inspired by what you're going through but also to find inspiration in other people's stories so that you can merge those stories with yourself, um, with your life, and and be able to uh, try to figure out how you can be the best person that you can be. So we want to thank you for being a part of the Duke Lot Show. And um, we're honored and privileged to have you. And this was awesome. And I'm, I'm grateful. Sending you all the love. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've loved it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm privileged. I'm humbled. And I hope I haven't said anything that's offended anybody. I try to be as open as I can. I know I hit the raw issues from time to time. Yes. But I think if we talk about things, it strips away awkwardness and taboo. Yes. You know, it's okay to be human. That that that's that's the key thing. But yeah. yes, thank yeah. you so much. And I'll be reflecting on this conversation as the day goes on. And I feel like you and I fated to meet, fated to talk. Yes. And hopefully our experiences will shine a light on some emotions and feelings that other people are going through. And hey. we we can do this. We we can live this life yes. in a positive spirit and we can keep communicating and um, we can we can really have a great time. So I'm glad you said that because here at the Duke Lot Show, what we have here is that we're about diversity. Uh, some of the topics might be a little controversial to some people, and I'm glad you yeah. said that. But the point of it is, is that we have uh, all healthy, positive energy, and this episode brings that, and it breeds that, and the audience is going to love it and they are going to feel your positive energy. And we thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. And I hope your audience enjoy. Thank you. Thanks. Recording.